Well, if you, if you happen to miss last week's sermon, uh, you have a treat. If you go back, you'll get to hear a wonderful song I sang. And, uh, that, that is a joke. I did at least want to say, uh, in case you're newer around here, I, when I sing, um, I'm just having fun. I, I don't think I sound good. I, that's why I think it's funny, because I sound terrible, and I, that's why I think it's funny. So, <laughs> but I won't be, if you notice in the passage, there's uh, ten voices, and if you just look at your English Bibles, many of them are probably situated so that they're arranged as songs. So I'm not, I'm not going to plan to sing those for us this morning, but uh, maybe we'll do that someday. Um, but as a reminder from last week, chapter 17, uh, John started off, off uh, one of the angels from the 16, or uh, from chapter 16 of the seven bulls, came to John and said, John, now I'm going to show you the judgment of the great prostitute. And the prostitute, if you remember, uh, is the, it's the system of the world that's controlled by the enemy, that, that allures people in with, with uh, loose living and luxu- luxurious living. And we're told right off at the beginning of the vision that, uh, that it's, it's this prostitute that the kings of the earth and the people of the earth have given themselves to. They, they, they drink the, the wine of her passion. And John, uh, John is told that, that her judgment's coming. And that's what the vision then unfolds, is how she's riding this beast, which we're told represents the, uh, the kings of the earth, because uh, she's seated on them, in this wild, uh, snarly beast, but she's influencing them. She's in control of them, as well as the peoples on the water. And eventually the beast turns on her and devours her and devours her flesh and burns her up. Uh, and so that's, that's where we got last week. Um, this week then, from 18.1 uh, through the beginning of 19, there's 10 responses. So you have uh, some angels responding, you have some people of earth responding, then you have the heavenly chorus responding. So the first six happen on earth, and then the second set, the, the uh, final four, are happening in heaven. And so due to time, I'm not going like, to walk through every jot and tittle on this, but just try to give us a sense of what's happening. Because John has seen this vision of chapter 17, and then he, he not only sees something, but he hears something. He's going to first hear from this angel uh, that we're told in 18.1, uh, just to try to picture the scene, look at the text, it says, the earth was made bright from his glory. So all of a sudden, John is sort of like blinded. He just, he just saw in the vision uh, that the beast devour the woman and burn her flesh up, and then, poof, this bright light. The whole earth is full of this light, and then this angel speaks and how does it speak? How does he speak? It tells us with a mighty voice. Fallen, fallen is Babylon. Right? That's remember the prostitute, the world, the world system destroyed. And not only is she just done, but he then unpacks that a little bit. She's like a graveyard. It's the dwelling place of demons. It's the dwelling place of unclean animals, the wild hogs. You know, the, the, a place for uh, unclean birds, the, the vultures. They're looking for the, the, the dead corpses so they can come in and, and eat, right? This, the place has been totally decimated. It's empty. So that's, that's the picture here. And why? But verse 3 says, because all the nations have drunk 
The wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. And the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. That's the first song he hears. And then another voice comes down from heaven. And we saw this last week, this declaration, Come out of her, my people! Come out of the world! Lest you share in her sins, and if you do that, you will share in her plagues that are coming. Because there she is, she sits and goes, I will never be a widow. Nothing bad will ever happen to me. Come. John says, no. No, come out of her. Her plagues are coming after her. And it's going to happen like that in a single day. Bam. It's no lingering judgment here. It's just pew, nothing like I got a bit stung by a wasp the other day and it still itches. Every, anytime I, or I just touched it now, it's going to itch. It's just this lingering, long, drawn-out process. Not this judgment. This judgment's bam. It happens. That's the second song. Third song, then, we're heard, we hear from the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with the woman, the prostitute, the great Babylon. And for all these next three people, we're told that they weep and wail. And all of them start part of their song saying, No! No! Or, Whoa! Whoa! Or your Bible might, uh, the ESV here is, Alas! Alas! It's, it's a term of mourning and weeping. No! The great city Babylon! Because in a single hour, your judgment has come. And the king's voice go to a hush. Then the merchants of the earth, the ones who, you know, they, they got rich from, from being a part of this system. Right? They got to sell all the goods. Right? In our days, it would, be, it would be selling some nice MP3 players, some iPhones, some iPads, some computers and laptops, nice clothes, cars, motorcycles. It's the, they're getting rich off the world system. And they say, no, no, Babylon, our stuff is gone. Everything's wasted in a single moment, in a single hour, it's gone. And then they go quiet. That's the fourth song. Fifth song is the shipmasters. They're the ones on the sea. They're just like the merchants on the earth. They're also getting rich off the goods of the world. They too stand off weeping and mourning as they also see the, the smoke of her destruction going up. So in the picture, it's, it's almost like you have this crowd of people standing far off looking at the destruction that happened. You know, if, you, if some of you were around 9-11 uh, as you just kind of like just get all these pictures like of, of the destruction happening over there, all the smoke just continuing to come up. And the shipmasters join in. No! No! For the great city! And you know, it's not only the fact that their stuff is now gone, but they also know the judgment is coming for us too. Because we've been a part of this system. We're a part of the same gang. The FBI is coming for us now too. But now something happens a little bit different in verse 20, and whether or not this is the shipmasters or a voice from heaven, we're not, it's not totally clear. 
but we're given another command. The first command was uh, from that second angel. It says, come out of her, my people. And now God's people are told, rejoice over her. She's been destroyed. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, because God has given judgment for you against her. And now the people of earth go silent, and a mighty angel comes and takes a great millstone, a big stone. Think of, uh, you know, if you go down to the lake, and there's those huge stones that you can walk along the, the shore. There's this, think, a millstone, something like that. It's, he's grabbed, he comes down, grabs one of these massive rocks, probably about the size of this thing right here, right? And then he hurls it into the sea as a picture. It's a, it's a picture of this is how Babylon will be destroyed. I mean, think of a huge rock going into Lake Michigan, into the, in, into the water. Uh, what's going to happen? How long will, it, how long will that thing float? It doesn't, right? It's just, and it goes straight to the bottom in a moment. And then you get this refrain. This is how Babylon's going down. And all the normal pleasures of life, the sound of a a car, a car horn, or this, the sound of a, a, a hammer hitting a nail. No more. No more. No more. Right? That's what the angel keeps saying. Even, even a bride and a bridegroom, you'll never hear the wedding bells again in Babylon. No more. Now, these first six songs, it's, it's, I would imagine, uh, as, as John is experiencing this, is quite loud and chaotic feeling as, as uh, the, the people of earth are shouting, No! No! And this, you see this great millstone come down, the angel declaring so loudly. This is sort of this chaotic uh, moment. Uh, but then with this last one, uh, there's just no more, no more, no more. I, I, as I envision it, I envision it just sort of like going totally silent. It's the way I've tried to imagine what's going on. There's uh, Jeff Barrett. I don't know if Meredith went to the same university as Jeff. Does anybody know that? Well, anyways, Jeff Barrett went to uh, Taylor University for his undergraduate school. Uh, Jeff, uh, Bar the Barretts are one of the missionaries here at Crossway. And uh, they have something at their school called the si uh, Silent Night. It's a, for a basketball game. They do it once a year as a team, or as a whole school community. And nowadays, every everybody gets dressed up, and the place gets totally packed out. Uh, and I've, I've never been there, but I, this is something I would love to actually see. It's supposed to be quite a treat. It's called Silent Night, and the, what they do is for the first... Uh, the first, or let's see, nobody from Taylor says a peep or makes any noise until their team has scored 10 points. So the whole time it's just, you can go on YouTube and watch this, it's absolutely silent. And it's, it, it appears that Taylor has bought out every ticket, so I mean, nobody's making any sound the whole time. And so all, and from the player's perspective, they say it's kind of just weird, you're just playing and there's just nothing. Right, and so every sometimes the the crowd will kind of put their hands up like this as a like we're clapping, but we're not going to make any noise. And as you're watching the game, you know, as as you know, they have eight points or nine points or whatever it is, you can just anticipate the excitement of waiting to see it happen. Uh, but it's fun to see because eventually, as that ball goes up and through the net, it just goes 
place goes bonkers. Rah! People start running all over the, the uh, court and everything. That's how, I under, that's how I picture this scene here. As everything's been destroyed and no more, no more sound in Babylon. It's totally empty, totally done, totally dead. It's, it's, that's what you have, this great multitude, a loud voice in heaven. They just circle in bonkers. Because salvation and glory and the power of our God, they belong to him. His judgments are true. His judgments are, are just. He has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of the servants. And once more they cry it out, Hallelujah! The smoke of her goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures, they join in, they fall down, and they worship God as they are surrounded, surrounding the throne, just join in and say, Amen! Hallelujah! A voice from heaven comes and says, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him small and great. And once more, that whole roaring crowd, look at how it says it in verse 6. He then piles it on, this great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder. Hallelujah! Which means praise. Praise Yahweh. Praise God. Because the Lord Almighty, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory. Why? Because the marriage of the Lamb has come. No more weddings in Babylon, but there's a wedding going on this day. His bride has made herself ready. She's come through. She's remained faithful. Why? Because God has made her faithful. He has granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. And that fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Now John, standing there, next to this angel who we were introduced to in chapter 17, verse 1, who tells John, I'm going to come show you the judgment of the great prostitute. This angel now turns to John. I still hear the crowd going crazy. So I don't think the angel just says, hey, John, write this. It's probably like, John, write this. What? Write this. The church needs to hear this. Blessed are all those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. John, these words are the true words of God. At which point John falls to worship the angel. Because what else do you do? There's nothing else to do but to worship. Now he gets mis mistaken where his worship's going, and he's rebuked for it. But we, here's another one of these write this statements. If you remember, this happened in chapter 14. It'll, it'll happen one more time. Where it's like this break in the action where John is, he's watching these visions, and he's recording what he's seeing. But then, it's, John, write this. The, the, the people of God must hear this. Get this one down, John. Make sure this one's in there. Blessed. Happy of soul. Right? Those, who, those who are uh, happy internally, deeper than circumstances, happy of soul, John, 
are those who are invited to the wedding ceremony. Not, not who just hear of it, not who just think about it one day, but those who are actually invited, given a place at the a seat at the table. Because it's not everyone. It's those who are called of God, faithful to Christ. Those who he is called to be his people. Who are invited to the marriage supper. I trust many of you like to go to weddings, right? I mean, I, I, love, I love weddings, especially a Christian wedding. I mean, it's such a joyful celebration, right? Um, and many of you have, have been married, and you've experienced that. And it, hopefully, you know, it, I just think it's such a fun thing to see the groom up front waiting, right? Nervous as all get out. As excited as all get out. Sweaty. Waiting with anticipation. Open those doors. Open those doors. Let me see her. And there she is. So this is a joyful celebration. But it's not just any wedding. This is the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is the Lamb of God, the Son of God, who is preparing a people, a ragtag people, right? People who have rejected God and deserve God's judgment. And yet Christ comes in and says, I'm going to prepare them. I'm going to wipe off every blemish. I'm going to give them my righteousness and make them beautiful before God. This is my bride. I'm waiting for her. I'm preparing her. And I'm waiting for this day. This is a day of anticipation. The, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And, and why, why, does, why does the angel tell him these are the true words of God? I don't know. But I think it's interesting, and these are, the, these, these are the words of God, John. This vision that you're being given, that the world is going down, the world is passing away, and there's a wedding waiting for God's people. That's what God says, John. The Almighty, the one who spoke the universe into existence, declares this. And I know your mind will doubt many days. But God says this, John. And these are the true words of God. These are not made up. They're not going to fail. These are the true words of God, John. I, you know, I, I, I don't know for sure, but I, you know, I think one way I've tried to envision, envision this, if imagine a couple um, who has a child uh, who has like a, a, a brain tumor and they've, they've discovered, you know, they, they, their last chance is to operate on it. It's, it's quite dangerous, uh, but that, that's the only hope of, of allowing the child to survive. And so uh, the parents are waiting uh, for hour after hour after hour in the room waiting to find out how the operation goes. And it's gone past the, the point when it was supposed to go. And we're a couple hours past uh, waiting for the surgeon to come in, but eventually the surgeon comes in, and uh, he's obviously, he's exhausted, or she's exhausted, the team, and says, uh, Tim and Nancy, I'm sorry, I'm sorry about the, the wait. 
Uh, when we got, finally got in there, there was, there was a little bit more than we anticipated, and it had gone to places that were a little bit more dangerous, and we had to take more precautions uh, in the surgery. But look at these scans. It's gone. We got it. Your child's going to live. It's true. It's true. You see it? It's true. And what do you think those parents are going to do at that moment? I mean, there, there's only one thing to do, right? I mean, you grab the surgeons and you, you go crazy with them. You hug them. You oh, thank you. I think that's what John's probably doing here with the angel. I mean, this angel obviously has some sort of authority. I'm assuming bright with glory. And he's finally, when it finally dawns on him, John, that wedding you just heard about, the people going bonkers, that's true. It's actually going to happen. You're going to be there. Brothers and sisters, this world truly is passing away. And there's a wedding that God is preparing you for. That is meant to help us in all the frustrations of the world. To give us patient endurance. Because there's some here today who are who are frustrated with their own sin. Yeah? Who your own sin affects other people. And your own sin gives you own, your turmoil within, and you're just frustrated. And it's helpful for us to say, you know what? Yes, I am full of gunk, but one day I'm finally, I will finally be wiped fully clean. I won't experience it. Yes, my sins are paid for now, but I still experience the, the yuckiness of it. And one day it'll be gone. Yes, one day. Yes, Lord, help me. Or uh, there's some here who experienced just the weakness of personality and weaknesses of idiosyncrasies or just weakness of, of strengths and strengths and weaknesses. And we know how that sometimes plays out in horizontal effects. And it's just like it makes life frustrating, right? It makes life frustrating at work and relationships because we're, we're weak. We're weak people. Oh, Lord, help us get to the wedding. Where that won't happen anymore. We'll all be able to get along again, right? Or some here are, are struggling with physical difficulty, chronic pain, chronic illness, or mental health. Because we're, we're in this fallen world, and it's not the way it's supposed to be. And it just makes life frustrating here. And we need a vision like this to know that, yes, one day, one day it's going to be all wiped clean. And we won't mess, we won't have to <clears throat> deal with it anymore. Or the sins of other people that just keep slapping mud all over us. Right? One day that won't happen anymore. Or the, just looking, turning on the news and seeing all the sorrow in the world and going, I don't even know what to do. Why does this have to happen like this? I've, why is the world like this? Well, one day it's not going to be. One day it will be perfectly joyful. Hallelujah! In the presence of the Lord. Now, one way we, we continue to remember ourselves of this, or remind, our, remember ourselves, remind ourselves of this, is actually partaking in the Lord's Supper. We're told uh, in, in 1 Corinthians, it says, uh, to do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me, um, but we're told to do this uh, until he comes. 
There's a sense of, uh, it, as when we actually get there to the wedding, that, that the Lord's Supper will be totally different. This, this is meant to be a little taste, a little flavor, a little reminder that the greater meal is coming. The greater wedding's coming. And so if you're a follower of Christ today, uh, this is, this is a, a partaking of the Lord's Supper is a way of coming and saying, yes, Lord, I believe it. I believe these really are the true words. Help me to, to allow the truth to go deeper into my soul. I receive it in the name of Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus, worship him as uh, Savior and Lord. And then the table's open to you, provided you are striving to walk in repentant faith. Uh, so if you could come, grab the elements, return to the, your seats, and we will partake together. The world indeed will be destroyed. It will be crushed. And the only reason we will not be crushed is because the Lord Jesus was crushed on our behalf. On the night when Jesus be, was betrayed, he took bread. After giving thanks, he broke it, saying, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I trust that many of us this week will encounter times where uh, we try to think about the eternal city and uh, all sorts of doubts will come into our minds of whether or not we will make it, whether or not we will be included. Uh, and uh, it's a good chance for us to remind ourselves that we don't deserve it. There's nothing in us that can earn that. We have all failed and rejected God. And even in our best tries, we can't make ourselves good enough. And so we do not look inside for confidence. We look externally. We look on the blood of Christ, the perfect Lamb of God who shed his blood on your behalf, Christian. You will make it to the eternal city, not because of you, but because of the Son of God who took away the sins of all of his people. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup, it is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me.